the longest time I've had a dream, a dream about shuffling off the shackles of gravity to, to take flight, to fly, to, to soar with wind beneath my wings, whether it be on my own or in, in one of these wonderful inventions, planes, jets, these beautiful soaring machines careening through the sky. But they won't let me do it without help. Without the help of Brian Cranston. We're talking about Royal Space Force, the wings of Oniamis. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The More You Nerd. We are kicking off anime. It's back. Yay. Talking about anime films that have flown, no pun intended, under the radar uh, for a lot of folks out there, sometimes including us ourselves. I'm, of course, Drew joining me. Miles, how are you, buddy? I am excited. I'm excited about anime, which we're going to talk about in just a second. But I'm really, really excited because I saved this for anime to talk about our 10th anniversary T-shirt. What's going on here, Miles? What are you talking about? So for the Morning Nerds 10th anniversary, I commissioned a custom Gundam. What? For my dear friend and co-host mr drew burris what dude and uh if you open up this this bad boy in in our email um you will see that it's a take off the rx 78-2 not the mark ii and it has the colors of the more you nerd it has a star on its forehead as well as nerd glasses with the designation DR-3W for <laughs> my good buddy, Drew. You have your own custom Gundam, and you can get the More You Nerd custom Gundam at themoreyounerd.threadless.com. It has been 10 years since you've founded this show, and I thought, what better way to celebrate that than to have someone create something from one of your favorite pieces of fiction dedicated entirely to both expanding nerd horizons and your passion for it. Well, it is absolutely wonderful. I love looking at it. Uh, I, I'm going to get the shirt ordered as soon as I possibly can. I've already ordered two. I've ordered a regular shirt and a baseball tee. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the artist knocked it out of the park because it's it looks like um almost like it was for a a a a model and yeah, it's it's super highly detailed y'all got to check out this art and uh i i've never painted a gundam before miles i'm i'm thinking about it i i <laughs> i've i've thought about doing it myself um it, it is it is a one of of a couple of new designs we have coming out uh in the next coming weeks and but I, this one i was actually going to save for our real 10th anniversary which is next month but i once i got the artwork in i could not contain myself so <laughs> I, I was like <laughs> i just i had to do it and so if you follow us on social media on facebook or twitter you probably have seen me make a soft announcement but uh this is an official announcement that yes we have a 10th anniversary t-shirt and it's <laughs> I thought the artists outdid themselves and I'm really, really excited about it. And I thought it would tie in perfectly with anime. And I do have to add a little bit of caveat to to what we're doing this this month, because I had a couple of friends who were uh, big anime fans themselves uh, ask me, I thought you were doing movies that people didn't really know when I told them specifically what movies we will be doing this month. and. 
I, I should specify that what we're doing is movies that we feel aren't talked about enough compared to a lot of the anime classics because a lot of people's and I'm talking about people off the street, their their kind of library of anime is is most of the classics or the films by Hayao Miyazaki and the Studio Ghibli films. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I thought for this month, we would focus on some standalone films because most people's anime consumption is television shows. Mine included, uh, to be honest. Yeah, Drew, you said last week that 90% of the stuff you watch is is shows. And and that is what led us to to what. uh, So so spoiler warning, Miles picked two and I picked two. And this is one that I picked. And I, I tried to to as we were going through this, pick something that I had heard of but never saw. Uh, and then my later pick that we'll get to later in the month is one that I had never heard of before. So I'm excited to to get into that one as we get further into the month. But this one, whereas I'm making Drew watch two movies that I really love. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but so I, I just I want to clarify that these are not deep cuts. These are just films, with the exception of maybe the um, the last one we do this month, that you know I think would help kind of beef up people's uh, anime repertoire. Yeah, and and this this one is is really very this very is, interesting. Uh, I think this one is absolutely because none of us had seen this. Absolutely in the spirit of what we want to do here, because I think this this film is 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 so interesting. And even though my initial reactions were somewhat lukewarm, the more I've thought about it. And the more I've we've researched, you know, the, the what went on behind the scenes in the, in the creation of this film and the people behind it, I think it, it honestly should be one that is uh, studied in film classes. And barring one thing that I know will probably come up as part of this that seems so outside of the movie as a whole, if you watched it along with us or if you watched it with us this this week. Um, you probably know what scene I'm talking about, but I outside of that one thing, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I connected with the idea of it. I, I the even from the the very beginning of the film and and the sort of intro, uh, really, really connected with it uh, on a personal level. Um, except, like I said, except for that one scene, which I don't connect with at all. But. Let's right. get let's get into the history of Royal Space Force, or as it's known in the U.S., Royal Space Force: The Wings of Oniamis. Uh, so, and Drew will probably be the only person tonight who can properly pronounce that title. Oniamis. I'm gonna try, but I'm, I'm just every single time I just I end up tripping over my words. <laughs> so the the story of Royal Space Force, and by proxy, the anime studio founded founded with its creation. Gynex is fairly involved. Yes, this movie is the very first production of Gynex, which is huge. And they're responsible for such things as I mean, (laughs) golly, how many how many you just have to you just have to say the one thing and everyone's like, oh, but I believe they're also responsible for fully Cooly. They're responsible for so many things. Oh, they're responsible for a lot. But but I mean, if you say Evangelion, that's yeah, that's a kind pretty of, big deal. Yeah, um, I don't think they did fully coolly. They did uh, Gurren Logan. Oh, Gurren Logan. I'm sorry. Uh, Aniplex was fully coolly, um, or what? Or it may not be. I don't know. I don't have the Wikipedia page in front of me to confirm all these notes. So email me. I don't care. But uh, <laughs> so with this, the core five creators at Gynax had begun to carve reputations for themselves, having created the opening ceremony animations for the third and fourth Daikon. Now, Daikon is a massive Japanese science fiction convention, and and the animation became the animations for them became smash hits, and often the primary reason Westerners know of the convention at all uh, if they're anime fans. Hiroyuki Yamaga and Toshio Okada pr- approached Shigeru Watanabe of Bandai in September of 1984, pitching Royal Space Force for their new professional studio to be named Gynex. The pitch itself was odd in that it described the story and setting but never the main characters, which is interesting to me, having watched this movie. Not only that, but the, while the film and enlisted writer and director Hiroyuki Yamaga, the project essentially had five primary creators who all had creative input. 
yeah, this is this is wild. Like the entire time I'm reading about the, the creation of this of this the studio and this film, I mean, these guys just seemed so punk rock, honestly, is the best way to describe them. Because I mean, they 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 were trying to to and we're gonna talk about this in a little bit, just kind of create a massive shift in the anime industry. But you the whole thing about them pitching to Watanabe and kind of getting the gig might leave you with your head scratching a little bit because why would Bandai accept a pitch from a group of basically kids? I think the the oldest might have been 24. And if you listen to, to Watanabe tell it, the fact that he didn't understand the project in full actually encouraged him to accept. He said, I'm in the toy business. And I've always been of the mind that if I understand the appeal of a product, it won't sell. The reason is the generation gap, which is profound. Oni. <laughs> True. Amis. Oni oh, oh. Amis. Oni Amis just might hit the jackpot. If so, it will overturn all the assumptions we've had up till now. I didn't want them to take to make the kind of film that we could understand. Put it another way. If it was a hit and I could understand why, it wouldn't be such a big deal. I didn't want it to be a hit, but from the start, I did, oh, sorry, I'm sorry. I did want it to be a hit, but from the start, I wasn't aiming for a Star Wars. In trying to make it a success, it had to be purely young people's minds, our ideas and concepts. We couldn't force them to compromise. Now, this to me sounds insanely refreshing, if risky, coming from you know, someone in corporate. But, and, you, and you could see a lot of that coming through in the final product, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I got to give a Bandai props because usually when you associate corporate with uh, the, the, the creation of anything uh, in terms of film, the studio is always a problem. And while we'll get into a little bit of the, of the meddling later on, they more or less let these kids do what they want. And I, I find that amazing. And though I have to say, while they wanted a unique product, Bandai weren't fools. Before they fully signed off on the on the film, they asked for a pilot film, which would end up being a kind of a four minute proof of concept that seemed bold, but with a familiar tone and style not so different to famed anime director uh, Hayao Miyazaki, for whom uh, Gainax's uh, Hideki Anno worked for when he did Nausicaa Valley of the Wind. I believe he animated a very specific scene that impressed Miyazaki greatly. I think it's the one with the giant god creature. Uh, I would love to see this. I could not find it anywhere easily online. I don't know if it's oh. on a Blu-ray release. But Nausicaa? No, the the four minute proof of concept video. Oh, 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 I was very confused. Not Nausicaa <laughs> is on is on, on HBO Max. <laughs> yeah, it's on HBO Max right now. But uh but I but I would love to see that because I've read some of the the criticisms of that. Uh, so, so let as we get into it from this point, Gynex set out to make Royal Space Force in 1985. However, though they sold a specific tone and style, Yamaga decided that the Ghibli style robbed their story of the stark realism they set out to create. In fact, the the main character of Rikuni, uh, the the main female lead. Her design completely changed between the the yeah the uh, she was very much more Miyazaki styled in the four minute mm -hmm. proof, which is that image is about the only thing I could find for it, unfortunately. Uh, but they said their goal, creative goal was to help facilitate a shift in the anime industry that they believe only pleased fans on a surface level, but reinforced their isolation, advocating instead for a different type of anime that attempted to engage with fans as human beings who shared in the alienation issues of larger society. Yamaga stated, it is essential to pay close attention to the smallest design details of this world. It's because it is a completely different world that it must feel like reality. If you ask why such an approach, when the goal is to get anime fans to reaffirm their reality, it's because if you were to set this anime in our actual world to begin with, that's a place which right now, 
they see as grubby and unappealing. By setting it in a completely different world, it becomes like a foreign film that attracts the attention of the audience. The objects of attraction are not mecca and cute girls, but ordinary customs and fashions. If normal things now look impressive and interesting because they've been seen through a different world, then we'll have achieved what we set out to do in the plan. We'll be able to express reality is much more interesting than you thought. And I have to say, in hearing that quote and watching this film, this is one thing that this movie absolutely nails. Yes. I, I was... I was I was blown away by that because I I would have thought they would have said something kind of kind of snotty about the anime industry. And and, and they weren't. They were they were basically they just wanted to shake things up, not permanently change the industry as a whole. And and their mission statement is honestly beautiful. Like parts of this film. And and there are scenes that we are going to talk about that. They they are done to they take these weird alien things. And I say alien. These are humans. It's not like we're seeing a bunch of or at least human adjacent beings running around. We we see them, you know, dress in particular ways and have customs and have the ways that their their world works. And there there's a scene early on in a bar that is just so fascinating because it's at once all at once extremely familiar but also extremely foreign yeah in a way that that it it is like watching a foreign movie in a way that i hearing that quote it is absolutely something that they that they nail in this movie well and that mission statement kind of backs up the fact that i think this this particular anime film is something that should be on a syllabus for a film class especially if we're going to be talking about animated film or or anime itself. But but getting back to things, the creation of the film used a laundry list of animators and talents that would go on to create a lot of works like Ghost in the Shell, Evangelion, Macross, which, Drew, now you're a fan. Well, <laughs> Ma- the original Macross series would have been out before this came into right. production. Uh, the uh, director pro- directed the ninth episode of Macross. Yes, uh, which I, I meant to to have this handy. <laughs> I saw that in the end. <laughs> and, and and this even extends uh, Tariuchi Sakamoto, who provided the score and went on to actually win an Oscar for the score of The Last Emperor. So scores of talent using various techniques contributed to this film. And so I'm I'm kind of basically long story shorting this one. Uh, this informed the the very chaotic development. However, as the film was ready for release, many of the backers, you know, basically a little, little worried that maybe this project might be a bomb, uh, tried various outrageous marketing techniques to quote unquote fix the film. But the main the main source of contention was the title, and this was something that was brought up very very publicly. Stating that Royal Space Force was not sexy enough, Bandai wanted a title that read something of something in the fashion of Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind, which had been a massive, massive hit. While All Nippon Airways, another one of the film's sponsors, demanded the use of the word wings. (laughs) So after much deliberation, Royal Space Force, the wings of. Try it again. Oniamise. <laughs> Oniamis. Oniamis was decided upon. <laughs> like, I'll get, uh, it, I'll get it. So, so, so to, to clarify, Oniamid is at least is that that's how, how I heard it when I was when I was uh, watching the movie uh, is the place that they're in. It's the country that they're in. So that's why it's the wings of Oniamis. Um, but anyway, uh, the film, oddly enough, was released with an L.A. premiere, a Los Angeles premiere at Man's Chinese Theater on February 19th, 1987, under the title Star (laughs) Quest. So bad. It's bad. It's really, really bad. Uh, With a a Star Wars shirt. And we were just talking about Star Trek before we were recording. I, I, I like simple titles, but Star Quest just 
at this point in time seems a bit on the nose we we were only able to find one clip of because because that's the other thing thing about this is that the la premiere was dubbed it was dubbed in english by by a company and it was a different dub than is available regularly today uh but uh <laughs> the dub it, it is it is it is something else isn't it, it is Drew? it is ex- <laughs> it is extremely different in tone in theme and i'm uh, randy wilson <laughs> and the main character's name is not shirotsu ladat it's randy wilson oh randy wilson uh, <laughs> so bad so, oh and, man anyway going back the the japanese release of the film was actually on march 14th a rarity of the time being almost a, a month later critical responses seemed mixed applauding the ambition but unsure of the end result however the anime fandom and industry held it with high regard and the film won several prestigious awards including the japan anime award for best anime release of 1987 of the film notoriously blunt hayao miyazaki said of this film said of the film calling it an honest work without any bluff or pretension i thought the movie was going to be a great inspiration to young people working in this industry they may be intensely divided over whether they like it or not, but either way, it's going to serve as a stimulus. Yeah, there there is apparently a a magazine where uh, Miyazaki and um, I think it's uh, Yamaga have a, a kind of a, a conversation in which uh, Miyazaki gives his honest opinions of the film, and 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 they were mostly positive. He had you know problems with it but but it was mostly story stuff but he he really seemed to to like it and even said you know <laughs> if i didn't like the film i was gonna tell you i was ready to hate this movie <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny to me um miyazaki has very recently got this reputation for being a difficult old man when it comes to the production well, well, here's of the thing is like he's created such whimsical films that there is a a pretense put upon him that I don't think people understand Miyazaki himself. And so when they hear Miyazaki themselves, they're like, oh man, he's must have gotten grumpy. I'm like, no, no, he's always been this way. So, but yeah, so you when you have someone like Miyazaki who who doesn't give out praise lightly, talk about the film's ambition and and what works about it. And I, I love what he said. You may not know whether or not you like it. But the fact that it's going to serve as a stimulus, like the fact that it's still an important movie, whether or not you like it, that's kind of where I sit. To me, I would liken this, watching this movie for the first time, I would liken it to my first experience watching 2001 A Space Odyssey. The first time I ever saw that movie, I, I wasn't blown away. I was frankly kind of bored. And because I was young and, and yeah, you sure. know. And 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 this movie is is similar in that I think this movie should serve as a as a a stimulus and is also, I mean, a massive achievement in in world building. One thing that we I meant to uh, to bring up and I, I didn't include in the notes, uh, not just Miyazaki, who is a big fan of of this film. Uh, but the uh, writer uh, Ted Chiang, whose work served for the basis for the film Arrival, hmm. he he described Royal Space Force as the single most impressive of uh, single most uh, the single most impressive example of world building in book or film. And I have to say, it is incredibly effective, mostly yes. because it. It doesn't say anything. It doesn't it doesn't it doesn't really linger too long on shots to make you go, "Huh, this is weird." It just it sticks just just enough to make you to make you see that something is different about this world. To the point where Miles, when we when you first started watching this movie, how long was it before you had to stop to find out whether it was on Earth or not? 
12 minutes and 51 seconds. <laughs> yeah, because it does. I, I, I noted that because I was like, because uh, I, I warned you, I was like, hey, man, I just looked at the wiki because I needed some context because the film does not give it to you, at least at least the dub, because I know, Drew, you said you watched a couple of scenes subtitled. And and this is an example as to why back in the day there was no debate over which should you watch subbed or dubbed. It was always subbed because often the subtitled script was vastly superior and often had context that the dub just simply didn't. Yeah, we, and that is also true of this movie. We'll get into some of the more specifics. Uh, specific tongue tied today. Yeah, I know it's a Tuesday. Uh, we'll get into some more of the specifics about that in particular. But I, I want to kind of give a little Cliff's Notes version of the plot because yes, go the, for it. The the plot there. I mean, it was even stated. There's not a lot of overall plot here. You kind of know what's going to happen. And similarly, there's a lot left unsaid about this world and about what's happening on this planet. The planet is not named. In fact, in the dub, they just call it Earth, which I thought, which so I had to double check. And they do not call it Earth in the Japanese, uh, in the Japanese right. release. They just call it our planet. <laughs> so, so, but, but it, uh, basically, we start in the kingdom of Oniamis, which is a kingdom in this planet that has been at war for a very long time. That is ne- those words are never stated on screen. We have been at war for a very long time, but there is subtext throughout the entire movie about that being in the background. It seems like nearly half of the people that are in a decent financial state are in the military. And that is something that is also barely left said. Because this is a yes. movie, th- this is a movie that deals with with our main character Shirotsu Ladat, uh, all shortened to Shiro, uh, who loved the loved as a child airplanes and wanted to join the navy so that he could be a a jet pilot, but his grades weren't good enough. So yeah, he graduated, but he could not get into the navy uh, to fly planes, uh, and because of that, he is shifted into the Royal Space Force, which is largely a joke of an organization that was created by the whims of a uh, of a a prince who had too much money and not enough sense and thought and was kind of taken away by an idea that was published in a book about 15 years before the start of the of the, the movie. And that's another thing about this movie that I think really is interesting. There is there are definite class struggles in this movie. It talks a lot about class and it talks a lot about class by not talking about class. Shiro mentions that he is middle class and that he had never known. uh, I forget the specific words, but something like he had never known an empty stomach or never known the pains of hunger, but he also never knew the heady idealistic problems that the super wealthy have and it was it was an interesting uh and an, an interesting dichotomy to look at this person from a a very strictly defined middle class go throughout this this entire entire film uh but basically to to make a long story short the whole thing about this is they're the royal space force they're a joke but as part of a wartime initiative initiative you have this the you have this royal space force that is hanging on by a thread to its funding before it gets completely dis, completely dismantled and the funding get diverted to other things they have one chance to create a rocket to send the first person into space from this planet and so that's basically the plot uh there's a little more to it that i'm sure will come through uh, as this because there's this whole there's a whole side plot with with the female lead of the film uh named Dracuni. Uh, who is uh, extremely religious. I don't want to call her a religious zealot because I think that sounds <laughs> that in a negative context. No, yeah, she's, she's just devout. She's extremely devout and is trying to uh, spread the words of their particular religion uh, to try to to criticize the war that is going on. And again, it, it 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 the war has been so prevalent in the society that that they 
they never outright say we like there's no person that does the the stereotypical we've been at war for 150 years it'll be another day of war tomorrow like there's none of that kind of uh um a dialogue like uh info dumping none of that happens in this movie it's it's and, and i think that while it doesn't serve it in the state of being a particularly interesting movie at some points i think it works as a realism state it no it I, I definitely I, I do think that the the Gynax five made the film that they set out to make. The Gynax five sounds like the did. next Sentai team. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> it, it does. Um, my, my biggest issue I, I really comes with the the lack of context, because I don't need to be told the entire state of the world, but I need to be told something because when when um shiro or as you might know him the sorrow from metal gear solid 3 asks a spacesuit what the heck is that and i'm watching a movie called royal space force and this guy's in the royal space force it i don't have the context that this thing is a joke so i think the guy is an idiot and and because they have him kind of as this little bit of a layabout, he's always kind of lapsadaisical. It does it, it it makes it makes me not trust him as a main character. But I also don't know what to make of the movie. It is it is it is interesting. The film opens at a funeral <laughs> with with everybody in these crazy wild space force uniforms, uh, and shiro not being in his special space force uniform but being in a more of what i thought were plain clothes but turned out to be a regular everyday space force uniform not a dress uniform as you would call it that yeah they were they were very um it felt zombie family inspired (laughs) i don't know about that i think that's just because we see a few other just crazy you know super wild uniforms in this movie from from other members of the military both in in the kingdom yeah they're just they're just they're just wild (laughs) yeah but uh but yeah but then you find out why how the person that they were at the funeral for died and it was that the urine bag and his spacesuit burst and the wiring electrocuted him and that's just yeah, it's it. And, and, but, and, and, this, and, and so between that, you also see that they've tried to launch a bunch of satellites into space and the satellites have all a lot of this rockets sending satellites into space have crashed and burned and cost other lives. And and you get the idea that these these guys are just on borrowed time for their entire military careers, basically. Yeah, and, and, and because of that and not that I mean. It's a situation that would happen in a malfunctioning uh, space flight. But when you couple that with, you know, Shiro kind of stumbling into the funeral, doesn't have his uniform on, keeps making a mess of things, goes a spacesuit. What the heck is that? And then you hear that the guy died because his his urine bag burst. It's hard to kind of figure out the tone of this movie at first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I will agree with that, especially because right after that, we go to training and you see Shiro's kind of a dumpy dude who's sneaking bread in and 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 his his buddy Mati, which is sometimes translated as Marty, but it has been Mati every time I've seen it. Um, Voiced by Brian Cranston, of all people, who does a good job, honestly, dude's a pretty I mean. This is this was an anime done by Animes for Manga Entertainment. Another one done by Animes for Manga Entertainment is Macross Plus, where Brian Cranston plays the main character, Isamu Dyson. Uh, it is very. I just, I just love that Brian Cranston's kind of been here our entire lives. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> Brian Cranston like he's in Power Rangers. <laughs> like I, 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 but the thing is, like of all the voice cast of of most of the voice cast in this movie, he's the one that seems the most authentic and. And I, I mean, obviously, we know now he's Brian Cranston, but, you know, come on. Um, anyway, 
So yeah, so, and what we what, what we won't watch this week, but I almost made Drew watch was Street Fighter Two: The Animated Made a Movie, which also has Brian Cranston as Fei Long. <laughs> like the dude, the dude's done some awesome work, and not, not just the things that you you think he's if, done. If if I ever got to interview him, I would interview him specifically about his anime days. Just to... oh, a hundred percent. I know when he was doing the rounds for the Power Rangers 2017 movie, they brought up some clips from when he voiced random villains in the show. <laughs> and apparently like, it was like a, a day's a day of work. And he was just like, yeah, I was hungry. I need the money. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty honest about you it. You got to do what you got to do. So, uh, but but I, 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 I do love that this movie is it feels I think the the best way I could describe this, it feels very lived in and all of the all of the characters feel genuine. Yeah, like I, I like that uh, that Mati is kind of this your typical kind of cocky fly boy who's a ladies man. And you have just all these all these kind of members of the the Space Force crew playing off archetypes, but also serving a real purpose in terms of how they orbit uh, Shiro's life, especially once he he comes across um, Ronicky. Rikini. Rikini. In, in, in the Japanese dub, it's Rikuni, and I think in America, it's a Rikini. Um, but her name is literally said on screen one time. So forgive yeah. us if we're mispronouncing yeah, yeah. this. Sh- Sh- Shiro, she would, and, and I think what I saw was Marty. Um, those two are, are kind of the only named characters that you're, you're given a lot. Like you have a character sheet list, but they're not always said out loud in the, the film. Yeah. So, so, uh, so Shiro meets uh, he he and the his boys are in the red light district in their town uh, in their city. And uh, they run across uh, Rikini Rikuni, who is handing out religious pamphlets to to get people to turn away from from the war and turn away from this and and put their focus on God, because that's the only way that will try find true peace and, and a lot of stuff. And and <laughs> right after he meets her, uh, she hands him a pamphlet and he stares at her for a second. And then we flash forward to the next morning where he is passed out somewhere and he doesn't know where. But luckily it was at his his uh, dormitory for his military service, which was I, I found very weird and different. But uh, but then he goes to meet her and they talk and and have kind of a heartfelt conversation about space and stars and and what that means. And she wants him to read her religious text, but he, he refuses to, to take it. And, 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 and yet the next, the next day, a couple of days later, he's finding himself volunteering to be the first person in space to save the space force and to try to bring peace to the world. And that's really the key that, and that, that as much as I like that, that, doesn't really land for me weirdly it, it doesn't for me either i i i i thought their their conversation was interesting but superficial at best and for it to have the impact on shiro that it does where he changes his entire demeanor overnight i yeah I, i'm with you it doesn't land for me and but, but conversely, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, and then I will. Oh, no, no. I was I was I was probably going to say something. What you're going to say is that said, it's just the lubricant to get the story going. And I can I can look at it service value and just say, OK, yeah. But but the, but there's the other side of this that I also find extremely interesting and in that there is a character he's the general in charge of the Space Force. And he and Shiro have this honest conversation about history and how. The general never wanted to 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 be in the military. He wanted to be a historian, but uh, and it kind of goes goes on and on about that. But he realized that history was always happening and could never keep up. So why spend your time focusing on that? But he he is so interested in spaceflight that in order to sell the idea of spaceflight to to the noble houses of the kingdom, he proposes that they make a space warship. The first space warship is going to get launched. We know as an audience 
that's not a warship. There's not going to be a gun on it. But it causes <laughs> this great debate amongst the characters like a warship. That's not really, really very peaceful. A warship. Is it going to be how many people is it going to have on it? A whole battalion or how are we going to get that many people off the ground? And it's this it's this just interesting social commentary about what's going on. And it's not a social commentary of our real world, it's a social commentary of this fake world. But it it's a commentary that I think works because if you're trying to get this crazy thing to, to off the ground, both metaphorically and actually, sometimes you have to lie a little bit and they make a worship in quotes, um, which that works for me quite a bit, uh, even if, if Shiro's motivations to be the pilot of it don't. Yeah, I, I mean, again, a, a big problem for me with this movie is the lack of context because it takes a lot of the weight out of the situation. Again, I don't need a grandstanding plan, but like they do sort of answer why there's a military space division when no space travel has been achieved. But what are the stakes? Like what's going on? Because the description of the, the wiki and the back of, of, of a Blu-ray box says the world's on the brink of war, but the film itself gives you nothing until they're about to actually launch the ship and then we have like the 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 a, a bordering country because they're they're launching the the rocket kind of near the border as kind of a a statement to kind of show off and and also kind of to invite sabotage and so without any real look on the state of world affairs much of the decision making in terms of the global politics which you do see, you see some of the decisions being made. It's pretty opaque, and I, I would have liked something. Like I, I appreciate that there was an opening narration that, um, you know, gave you some context into Shiro's personality. However, I wish there had been a little bit of something if the movie itself wasn't going to give me anything, just to give me an idea of what's going on. Yes, and I think that had the the Gynax Five uh, formed their uh, their Megazord a few years later, we would have had that. Honestly, I, I think yeah, I, mean, I, I think that that when it comes to storytelling, I, I, again, when when we were told about the the uh, the one of the creators visions for this project that where they didn't <laughs> didn't mention the characters or story, but they had the, the world all set out. Um, it, it is something that we, we have little hints of what's going on here and there, but they're never the primary focus. So we, we are introduced to this rocket factory where they're going to build the, the rocket. And you got this, this crazy old uh, scientist who is his, making these crazy rocket engines and they're doing a test and all and and the the rocket malfunctions and explodes killing the scientists in the process and we are it is heavily hinted at later that that was intentional by a protest force and we do also see protest forces largely made up of of poor individuals in the kingdom arguing yeah. that arguing that they are wasting money on this dumb space thing instead of feeding them. Uh, and, and, and there is a, a powerful moment in the movie where, where Shiro agrees with that, despite the fact that he is the guy that's about to go into space. He's a national hero at that point. And, and that is also something that's a little lost in the translation. It is much more definite in the, in the Japanese language text than in the, the English language uh, uh, version, which I, again, I find very interesting that that there's a lot of subtext that is go, that is missing in in some of the translation issues. Um, Miles, should we talk about the bad scene? Yeah, yeah. So there is one scene we have to talk about because, uh, interestingly enough, Miles discovered that this scene was actually not included in the original manga entertainment release in 1994. They cut it from the from the movie, um, which honestly would have worked for me better. Um, because it doesn't yes. it doesn't 
make sense. It, it honestly doesn't make any sense. And even with uh, context added to it's one, it's it's pretty horrific. And then the the aftermath is even worse. So 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 just to to, to clarify, so Shiro has 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 gone AWOL from from his duties and he has been passing out flyers with Rakuni for a couple of days. He is staying with her in in her new home after her previous home was was demolished because of a debt collector. There's a lot of things going on in this scene that are that are left unsaid that are are very interesting. Like she pulls off one of her boots when they come in from the rain and the first boot come off, comes off fine, but the second boot comes off difficult. And then as she pulls the boot out, a bunch of money falls out of the boot as if she's been hiding money. It's a weird thing. There's 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 a lot of speculation on what that means. But ultimately. Shiro is 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 trying to fall asleep on the floor while she is sitting there making religious pamphlets and then. She presumably thinking he's gone to bed, gets up and goes behind a little uh 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 what do you call those things little uh like a trifold yeah uh i don't remember the name of it but you see them in 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 bedrooms that people go behind and undress which is what she does at which point shiro gets up and uh and sexually assaults her uh he he just he grabs her uh she is she struggles he stops suddenly with a weird look on his face and she hits him in the head with a with a statue. And I don't know whether that scene is to be played for laughs because he has kind of a funny look on his face. Uh, it's it comes out of nowhere. It doesn't. It, there's no expectation for why this has happened in the movie. And then in the next day. <sighs> that he gets up and tries to apologize to her and she insists that it was her fault and that he, she knows he'll, he'll forgive her, but she'll never be able to forgive herself. And it's just so like, it's so bad. It seemed wrong then. And I don't see any commentary on this. It is, I know we're in 2021 and we've had 20 something years, 30 30 years to, to, to think about this scene in this movie. It just, it doesn't, I don't understand why it's even there. It does not work no, at all. It's, I, 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 and it's I gross. Would have, I would have preferred watching the manga entertainment cut for the UK. Um, <clears throat> because it, 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 for me, it kind of ruined the movie yeah, for my first cause, viewing. Because it's like I was con- so connected with this with this character and what he was going through. And then this happens and it's like, oh, no, no, I'm not connected with this dude at all. What are you talking about? Well, that and I, I love, especially hearing about how they want to appeal to specific types of people. And I think especially when they were they were specifically talking about like you know the the stereotypical anime fan i think that they were represented within these two main characters you have the one that's super super devout and kind of lives breathes and eats their religion or or their specialty hobby they'll they don't seem to really care about uh their their appearance or 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 any any particular uh, hygiene habits and and this is how how she's portrayed in the film. Conversely, you kind of have the more lapsadaisical dreamer type. And it's not until these two characters meet and sort of inspire one another that that the spark, which is through Shiro to look beyond their kind of regular life. I I, I find that. I find that kind of symbolism really interesting. And I really liked, especially with with the the final scene where where Shiro is talking to everybody and talking about like, because that was the thing I think what made this movie special is 
it's not just about going to space. It's what you do when you get back down to reality. You can say these lofty things, but then you have to go back to reality. And the movie leaves you with the question of what is going to happen. The the movie ends with with Shiro in space having taken off ahead they they launched early to try to beat the 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 quote republic that was attacking to steal the to steal the ship shiro is in space giving this speech he does not know if anyone can hear him he does not have communication with the ground how's he do they we never we saw him practice to take off we never saw him practice to land have no idea if he's gonna survive this whole situation to begin with steam like he is going to survive this but then then on the other side we have Rakuni who is in the red light district again passing out flyers it starts snowing and of all the people in that space she is the only one to look up and and see the sky and see the stars she can't see him specifically or at least if she can she doesn't know that she's seeing him but but that's what we're left with and it's very very interesting, very poignant. And it's and it's <laughs> completely ruined by that stupid scene. It makes me wonder, Miles, if they were getting criticisms that what they were doing wasn't, quote, sexy enough. Is that something where they decided, oh, we'll make it sexy for you. All right. We'll include this disgusting that's a possibility. scene. Um, don't love it still, <laughs> but yeah. that's a possibility. Um, let's, but, but let's shift to, to, to move on from that, because. Because again, outside of this scene, I love this movie with that scene in it. God, really love this movie. But Manga Entertainment VHS release in 1994 that doesn't have the scene in it. Let's keep going. So I, I do want to shift conversation a little bit. I mean, because yes, this movie has a lot. We can talk about the themes and and we can talk about some of the the symbology in the film, but I also want to shift a little bit to talk about the actual style of the film. This movie is gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous, and it's it's gorgeous and it's also grimy, like the whole world. And and they talked about this how they wanted to make something stark and realistic, like this world is lived in. This world is dirty. You know, it seems to have its full share of problems. But because they chose to make it look like almost like an alternate version of of our of our world, and not you know this great kingdom or the the walled city of, of Attack on Titan or something crazy, you can associate yourself with the people and places in this world, yeah, it- and I find that extremely interesting because here hearing yamaga talk about that it made so much more sense while while i was thinking oh man this is this is this feels like because they use such a a devoted tactic in how they built the world i didn't feel like i was watching science fiction i thought i was watching just a drama yeah. And again, I'll, I'll call out something I called at the very beginning of the movie. The guys go to a bar at, at after the funeral uh, and it looks like a bar. It looks a little different. It looks like a bar, maybe in a different country where they have slightly different customs. But all of a sudden, you know, they're 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 handed these little tiny vials that they break off the top of and then drink a sip and then throw it into a fire in the middle of the floor of the bar. And they're playing this crazy table game that they all know the rules to, and we don't know the rules to, and they just, they're just playing the game and they know the rules. So it doesn't matter. And it's just, it's this, it is simultaneously foreign and different and alien and weird, but normal and everyday and pedestrian and i i i think that those scenes just work 
so well. The dude riding a train to get out somewhere the, or, or a little motorcycle. It looks kind of like a motorcycle that we have, but it looks a little bit different than a motorcycle that we have because that's just the type of motorcycle that they came up with. There's a, yeah. there's a scene where they're watching TV and a dude, one of the big dudes in the crew voiced by a uh, Richard Epcar, AKA Bato from uh, Ghost in the Shell that we covered last year on anime uh, has to stand out of the way because he's standing in the way of the antenna, but the antenna doesn't look anything like a TV antenna that we have in, in on earth in 1987. It looks like a weird, different triangle antenna. (laughs) The TV looks similar, but different. It's, it's all this stuff that just, it just feels foreign it feels different and but it it, but it doesn't match anything in any other nation on earth as it stands today and that i think is a really kind of odd unifying piece between all of this stuff it's it's the style is so good and also miles i have to point out you know what i love one of the biggest things i love in animation super detailed miniature pieces of a machine working like pistons moving and sparks flying. And that is all over this movie as well. They spent like anytime you saw a plane or a jet or when they're building the rocket and doing all that stuff, just all of that stuff was seemingly extra detailed versus everything else that was in it. And it's, and it's that hand drawn, beautiful animation that you saw in, in, in the late eighties, early nineties before everything switched to computer animation. But it's peak of the game because 10 years prior, it would have looked bad because they didn't have the, the, the definition, but now they do. And it just looks so spectacular. It, it was textbook, gorgeous animation. Uh, for mechanical stuff, especially in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I I thought about you when I when I was watching this because I know that that is a hundred percent your bag. I I also loved watching the takeoff. I thought it was very inspiring. I I think a lot of my problems with this m- movie are specifically in it in its actual script in, in at least in the script in in the way that I saw the film. And as I said, I stayed at the top of the show. This could be a case where maybe in in the subtitle version there is a little bit more context because there, there were, there were in some scenes from, from Drew, you watched a couple different scenes. I want to, I want to point one out. And this, this scene is, is one of the scenes right after the scene that shall not be spoken of anymore in this episode. Uh, Shiro has gone to send his crew because we've learned that the, the launch site is being moved closer to the border of the, the enemy territory as both a hey it'll be easier to launch because it's closer to the equator but also it's like five miles from their territory and they're going to try to steal this thing and then we're going to use that as an opportunity to attack them but uh but but shiro sends sends his crew off to prepare for that and he's talking to his to his friend uh uh marty 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 um brian brian cranston's character uh, and uh <laughs> in the english language version Shiro is wondering, uh, kind of talking out loud to himself, asking if if Mari's ever felt like he is a character in a in a storybook and that everything is predestined. And what and if everything is predestined, what has meaning? Which is an interesting commentary. But if you switch over to the Japanese dialogue, Shiro asks, do you ever feel like you're the villain in your own story? And that's such a different take, a different mm-hmm. feel, especially considering what has just happened, like the day before, day of potentially, uh, in in this in this movie. That I just, man, I don't know. This this movie does does a lot for me. Outside, like I just, it's I have such mixed feelings about this movie because of the whole of it. Yeah, and 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 that's where I am. Is in terms of enjoying this, uh, this is a piece of entertainment. I think it will take me a couple more times to get there and and to really ruminate on the film. And I know that sounds, you know, 
hyper pretentious, but I mean, sometimes I like to watch movies in that in that way. Look, I and, say I, I even say that about the Big Lebowski. The first time I ever saw the Big Lebowski, I didn't get it, didn't understand why people loved it so much. I just like, oh, okay. Huh. And then I saw the Big Lebowski a second time and I adored it. Um, I don't know that that's going to be the case with this movie. I feel like I have rewatched scenes in this movie in two different languages over the course of this past week that I feel like I've probably gotten what I'm going to get out of it. But I don't know. I, I think for me, this movie will be one that I will, you know, sh- I would show people if we ever do another uh, guest lecture like we did several years ago. <laughs> um, it's one that I would I would even say, oh, it's it's worth watching if you're interested in in anime history and if you're interested in just film, because as a film, I think it's a it's an interesting piece of work. It might even be one that, that if they released the Blu-ray. I, I would pick up because I could see myself occasionally watching this to get certain things out of it. But that said, there are so many problems with its its narrative itself that make it difficult to digest. And not just because, oh, it's got complicated themes or anything like that. It's because there's a lot of context not there it's haphazard in what it decides to tell you as a viewer and so because of that i i I feel i feel like i'm a little bit more on the fence than i i usually would be but i i would absolutely say this is this is a a, i'm so glad we watched this and i i'm glad we also watched this kind of at the same time so we were kind of sharing our experiences and I, I would recommend if you hadn't seen it, I would give it a watch. Uh, no, I mean we've already warned you. There's there is some there's a there's a triggering scene in there, and it's not good. It doesn't need to be in the film. It, I it agree is, with Drew completely. It is not good. It doesn't deserve to be in the film. And the scene after it makes it even worse. It is yeah. really, and it's never. And after that happens in the movie, it's never brought up again. It's the the only the only uh uh. uh no, I'm not even going to say that because it, it's like the, the two characters do not sh- do not appear in the same scene together for the rest of the movie. It is as if we don't know if they are ever going to see each other again. And yeah, uh, that is. <sighs> uh, anyway, yeah, I hate to land on that scene so much because so much of the rest of the movie, I really actually do did love watching it was beautiful. It was meaningful. It was not always a hundred percent clear about anything, but it just spoke to me in a weird way. And then, okay, I gotta, I gotta, gotta stop talking about this movie. Cause I'm going to keep circling around. I, I think there, there's a lot of great stuff in this film. It does have an extremely problematic scene that does, um, uh, unfortunately kind of destroy a lot of the goodwill it built. Um, that said, I, I think as a as a film that goes with the mission statement that Yamaga had intended, I, I think the the film does achieve that. I think in terms of accessibility and and uh, contextual narrative, it does have some problems communicating its world. That said. I do agree. The world building itself is is just gorgeous. I mean, you really feel like you're you're in this place. I mean, you do you do feel like you just you were dropped there, like because they cover it in kind of dirt and grime, and, and it's not just this magical faraway it, well, place. Well, like so, it, so think about how well Hayao Miyazaki creates a fantastical fantasy world and things yes. like. Howl's Moving Castle or or uh, uh, Spirited Away or or any of those movies. This team does that for a real world. That it's just it's wild that it's, it's a fantastical real world. Yeah. And I feel like. I, I feel like this. <sighs> I, yeah, I, I know we're talking in circles now, but I, I, I feel like this is, this is an interesting film. I think it should be taught in film classes as an important anime film, especially of the 80s. 
and I think it does communicate its message beautifully. I am um, despite its its problems with this narrative and despite the completely needless uh sexual assault scene um i would still give this film you know an an 80 percent or something like that 85 percent to go back to one of the creators if normal things now look impressive and interesting because they've been seen through a different world then we'll have achieved what we set out to do in the plan we'll be able to express reality is much more interesting than you thought and with the way that they did this film, mission accomplished. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, so with that, I think that is all we've got to say on Royal Space Force, The Wings of Oniamis, the first in our anime 2021. But that's not the last. Miles, what are we doing next week? Okay, so next week, we are doing a personal favorite of mine. Uh, Mamoru Hosada's The Girl Who Leapt Through Time from 2006. Um, This is a science fiction romance film produced by Madhouse. And it's basically a a loose sequel of a a novel of the same name. It's also been adapted into a live action film. And when it came out, it got amazing reviews. It won awards. And for some reason, it just has flown under the radar. And it's a a wonderfully whimsical film. And I have been wanting to show this one off to people for a very, very long time. So I am I am extremely, extremely excited to to talk about this one. Drew, do you know anything about this one? Not a single bit. I feel like I've heard I feel like I've heard the title before, but that may be just because we've been planning this for a couple of months. It's possible, (laughs) but I. I'm very, very excited to watch this. It's been a while I, since, I, since I've seen it, so I'm, I'm definitely uh, looking forward to, to, to revisiting it. But yeah. And this is currently, uh, and we just kicked over to a m- new month, so this might have changed what we were doing before. It does not appear to be streaming anywhere uh, at the moment, though that may change as the month goes on. Uh, but you can rent it uh according to justwatch.com uh in a couple of places for as cheap as a buck but for most places about three or four bucks and it seems to be relatively inexpensive uh to purchase if you want to do that as well and i'm sure miles is going to say that he has the blu-ray because i, know I do he have does. the blu-ray yes, he i does. have the limited edition blu-ray <laughs> he's got the blu-ray steelbook holographic uh super ticket edition uh, you're not far off <laughs> <laughs> there there was a super fancy one that came out after they released it in a regular format and i bought that one too i have <laughs> i've bought this movie a total of four times in in my life um and so I, i'm very i'm very excited to watch it with you i'm excited to watch it again it's been a very long time since i've seen it well, I'm looking forward to it. So that's going to be next week. Uh, and if you would like to reach out to us, tell us what movies you think we could cover or should cover anything that, that maybe we missed this month, because we can do anime outside of May. It doesn't have to be May, but oh, 100 percent for right now. It's going to be May. Um, wow, I really dove for that one. And I think I just like when you're sliding home and you end up rubbing your face in the dirt two feet before you reach the plate. <laughs> that was that joke for me right now, but uh, yes, it was, I felt it in the recording. Uh, <laughs> but if you would like to, to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter at the more, you nerd, facebook.com slash the more, you nerd. And you can always email us the more, you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more, you nerd at gmail.com. And of course, the more, you nerd dot that's right. I keep get our new 10th anniversary Gundam shirt. Yes. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Uh, so, but with that said, we are going to end the show now as we always do with a rousing nerd, nerd out. out.